From Women, Food, and Agriculture Network, I'm Ash Bruxford, and this is the Plate to Politics podcast. Plate to Politics is WFAN's nationwide effort to support and strengthen the leadership role of women transforming our food system, from the federal agriculture policy agenda to what's on our family's dinner plate. This podcast provides audio leadership training to women engaged in healthy food and farming. You can download the resources mentioned in this podcast at wfan.org slash plate to politics. On this episode of Plate to Politics, we have Alicia Bauer, who serves on the Story County Board of Soil and Water Conservation in Iowa. This episode was recorded in partnership with Practical Farmers of Iowa and their Rotationally Raised podcast. I definitely recommend that you check out this podcast, even if you're not from Iowa. They have a lot of great resources available about regenerative and sustainable agriculture practices. And with that, I will go ahead and start the interview with Alicia. So Alicia, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how you came to run for this position? My name is Alicia Bauer. Uh, I live in Ames, Iowa, and I am a commissioner on the Story County Board of Soil and Water Conservation District. Um, And I've been uh, involved with my board for about two years. I've been, uh, I started out as an assistant commissioner, and then I became a commissioner, uh, and now I serve for the last um, six months or so as the chair of my board. What made you decide to run for this role? Well, um, I moved to Ames uh, right around the new year in 2017, um, relocated from Wisconsin, and I was kind of looking for ways to get involved in my community and give back. Um, And I grew up on a farm and have always been really passionate about uh, making sure that farmers can make ends meet um, and that they're able to pass on their farms to the next generation and everything that goes into that, both financially and environmentally, um, to make sure that we have those resources there so that we can keep farming in the future. So when I learned about the Soil and Water Conservation District, that seemed kind of a natural way to get involved in my community and work on these issues that I really care about. Awesome. So you mentioned a few reasons why you were really interested in running for this position. Can you talk a little bit about some of the reasons why somebody else might decide to run for this role? Um, I think that it's also kind of a good way to, um, if you're interested in getting involved in politics or policy or taking on a leadership role in your community, um, it's an easy way to, to kind of get your feet wet and start out. You can also from there jump off and maybe get involved with a watershed management authority board, which often covers several counties, so a little bit more territory, or you could get involved with your county conservation board uh, and more of those higher up positions like supervisors or uh, the FSA county committees, which are actually, you know, positions that are more like jobs where there's uh, funding and salary and stuff. 
I guess another thing is that uh, as a elected official in your county on this board, you do have a little bit of credibility too. So if you are, you know, advocating with lawmakers in your state or, uh, you know, maybe interacting with your city council or something like that, um, you do have the credibility of being, you know, sort of in an elected position that the, the population in your county has signed off on you as someone who they want to advocate for soil and water resource concerns in their county. What is the role of a soil and water conservation district commissioner and the board that you serve on? So every county, uh, and Pottawatomie actually has two, (laughs) um, but every county in Iowa has a soil and water conservation district board. Uh, And the role of this board is really to set the goals and oversight for distribution of government monies to uh, private landowners who are wanting to implement uh, practices, conservation practices on their land. So cost share on things like buffer strips or um, bioreactors to improve water quality or to implement cover crops on farm fields, things like that. There is a good amount of money um, put forward by NRCS and USDA, other government agencies, even you know the Iowa Department of Ag or other state departments of ag that goes to um, help defray some of these costs of these conservation measures to farmers. And so this board, the Soil and Water Conservation District Board, is really sort of the oversight for how all of those monies get spent and for, um, you know, making sure that the priorities in their county and the specific resource concerns for each area are being addressed because a really hilly county is going to have different resource concerns than a really flat county or a a county with a lot of wetlands is going to have different resource concerns than a county that's really arid and dry. Uh, and so, you know, the the local oversight really just helps to make sure that appropriate measures are being put in place to meet that county's needs. So I actually met you through a Plate to Politics training that we did in Minnesota, and I think it was right after um, you had run for and won this position. Can you talk a little bit about, you're still working at Practical Farmers of Iowa, so is this position paid, um, you know, and how does that work? So of the um, counties, there on each county board, there are five elected officials, so file, five commissioners. Um, and when you are elected, you're elected for four-year terms, um, and it is a volunteer position. So there isn't... Um, you know, a salary compensation for your time getting there, but all of your expenses to travel to meetings and uh, accommodation if you have an overnight meeting or something would always be covered. Um, so that's kind of the the position. And then within the board of those five positions, there are four officer positions. So there's the chair, the vice chair, the treasurer, and the co-treasurer. So even within the, that five-person board, there are additional roles and leadership positions that can be taken on. And you've talked about what the responsibilities of the board are. Can you tell us what your day-to-day or week-to-week of serving as a commissioner looks like? 
So what it involves kind of day to day, week to week to month to month is that there are monthly meetings. Um, they're public, so they're posted so that anyone in your county or neighboring counties could come. Um, they In that meeting, we look over uh, any applications for cost share. We look at our work plan. If there are outreach events coming up, we talk about organization for that. Um, and then we create sort of every year we review and create an annual plan and work on our five-year plan. And so we've kind of got these monthly meeting check-ins, some sort of outreach events like field days or something peppered throughout the year, and then our retreats to work on our annual and our five-year plans. So time-wise, that's kind of uh, the commitment there. But each county is a little different as to what they've got going on. Um, some counties have equipment like uh, no-till drills that they rent out, and that performs, you know, kind of a source of income for the county. Um, and others, you know, do uh, tree sales to local, uh, you know, business people or uh, students. Our county uh, sponsors a educational program in elementary schools called water rocks for kids to learn more about water quality uh, in the state. So, you know, it's just kind of county by county basis and commissioners have a lot of uh, power to, you know, kind of determine uh, where those resources go and what kinds of things that your county wants to be involved in. Somebody's listening to this and they are really interested in becoming a commissioner or learning a little bit more about what it all entails, what would you recommend that they do? So I would say to someone who is interested in becoming a commissioner or learning more about what it's all about, uh, that probably the first thing to do is attend a meeting. Um, they are open to the public. Uh, you could contact your NRCS office to find out when the next one in your county is. Um, and just by attending, you get a sense for what's going on, you know, kind of what the meetings are like, what the commitments are like. Uh, I personally went to a couple of meetings uh, first, and then I uh, I put myself forward as a candidate for an assistant commissioner, which is a non-elected position. You're basically um, a volunteer on the board. You don't have any voting power, but you um, make a commitment to attend meetings and provide your input and, and you know, be an ambassador for conservation in your county. And then uh, from there, you know, that gives you a better taste of kind of the duties and what's going on. You can start to wrap your head around the alphabet soup of all the different government programs that uh, are involved uh, with conservation. And then um, my next step was that I uh, stepped onto the board when one of our members moved out of the county, one of our commissioners moved out of the county. So oftentimes, uh, commissions are looking for new people to get involved. They're looking for uh, fresh ideas and um, sort of new blood, so to speak. And so, um, you know, there's often very amicable transitions uh, with new people who want to get involved and people who have, you know, been there for a while or are at a natural place where they're moving on and can't serve anymore. Um, and so in my case, that was that was the step that happened next was that someone left and then I was appointed to fill that vacancy. Um, and then I actually ran uh, in this most recent election in 2018. 
And so uh, that was a new process for me. I had never run for an elected position before, so it was pretty new, um, but it was surprisingly not that difficult. (laughs) Um, And so basically the process was that you have to, um, you know, first make sure that you're eligible. You have to be 18 years old. You have to reside in your county. And this is the one of the things that you might want to attend a meeting to know is that you can only have two commissioners per township in your county. So if there are already two commissioners that reside in your count in your township on your board, then you would have to run against one of them in order to claim a seat. Um, so that would be something that you could attend a meeting to find that out before you undertook the process of getting the election um, paperwork started. So once you've kind of figured that all out and decided that you officially want to do it, um, you uh, then have to do some paperwork. And that is basically you have a form that says, I am running for Soil and Water Conservation District in my county, and you need uh, 25 signatures of residents of your county on that form. Um, I went out and got more than that just in case there were people on there who didn't really reside in my county or, you know, couldn't read the hand writing or something like that so that you don't end up in a situation where you're out on a technicality. So I think I got like 40 signatures even though I needed 25. And then that paperwork is due 69 days prior to the general election. So that's usually mid-August, late August. Um, And what I did is I basically went through that whole process and said, Um, You know, I'm not going to plan on doing any campaigning until I know if anyone is running against me. Um, And I got my paperwork turned in and the the official ballot was posted and lo and behold, no one was running against me. So uh, I didn't have to then take the next step of really campaigning. So, but had I had to do that, it would have been more things like, you know, door knocking, turning up at events in my county and introducing myself, Uh, you know, maybe there were field days or other conservation-minded events that I would go to and uh, put in a little plug for myself so people could recognize my name. Um, So that would have been how I would have gone about uh, campaigning had it been necessary in my case. But I think that in... I would venture to say that in the majority of cases for soil and water conservation district boards, people do run unopposed. So um, it is a great way to kind of get involved in the electoral process uh, within pretty low pressure environment. Very cool. So what is some advice that you would give to a woman who is considering running for this role or considering running for office in general? So um, I guess my my piece of advice is that you don't have to know everything before you start. <laughs> you don't have to be an expert before you show up. Many of the commissioners, myself included, still are like, no, wait a minute, what what does REAP stand for? What does that acronym stand for? What What is that program? What are the details? You know, there's a lot to keep straight, and no one on the board is an expert. You know, we're all volunteers who are showing up because we care about these issues. Um, and so just being committed to being there and learning and, um, you know, you know, putting in the time to really uh, you know, figure out what the issues are is the criteria for, for being on a, a, on a board like this. You don't have to be an expert going in. Um, and so I would say that for myself, you know, and I think 
no, I'm not going to generalize. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have a pressure to, to be an expert or like you master the subject before you go out there and put yourself out there. But it's really, you know, not necessary. Do you have a resource that you use to help you run for this position? Or do you have a resource that you would recommend other people check out? Uh, it, you know, it is a pretty dense process <laughs> trying to figure out like what all the different boards are. There's a lot of different ways that, uh, you know, kind of county government works and local government and state government and lots of layers there, lots of alphabet soup. Um, and so I think that one thing that really helped me to wrap my head around the process of how I would even go about, uh, becoming a soil and water district commissioner was that, um, my colleague, Steve Carlson at PFI, um, creates some great resources that are kind of like how to step one, two, three of signing up to be a commissioner or running for election or what is involved. Um, and so because I work here, you know, I had access to those resources. And so when I was starting to think about how I could get involved in my community and, um, you know, work on these issues that I care about, I look to those resources to kind of lay the groundwork. Um, and then I also, you know, have a a sort of broader community of sort of young professional ladies who work in uh, ag and conservation. And so um, one of them is Catherine DeLong, uh, who works at um, the Soil and Water Conservation Society. And I think that she mentioned to me, you know, like, oh, I'm going to be at the next meeting. You should come. Uh, and that was kind of the genesis of how I went to my first meeting because, you know, I knew somebody who was going to be there and I had heard about all this great stuff through PFI about how to do it and was interested in learning more. Why do you think that it's important for women to run for office or get politically active? So I think that it's really important that women particularly are involved in all levels of government, even this one, uh, Soil and Water Conservation Boards. Um, and I think that is it is traditionally, um, you know, kind of a male-dominated field, agriculture and, and conservation. And I think that boards generally tend to be a little bit more male-dominated. Um, and it's just beneficial to have more perspectives and, and people coming from different backgrounds. And I think that, you know, when you're trying to, to – kind of spitball and brainstorm about how to reach different landowners, different farmers, different people that are, you know, in your county, but might be different than sort of, you know, the typical image that we have of a farmer in Iowa. It's helpful to have people who are coming from different backgrounds to brainstorm about how to reach those populations. So one specific issue that we deal a lot with in Iowa is that a lot of land is farmed by non-owners. There is a lot of land that is owned by um, an old, uh, usually widow uh, woman who uh, is then renting that land out to a tenant. And a lot of the time we need both of those people, the landowner and the tenant, in that conversation about conservation in order to get it out there on the landscape. And so if there are only men on the board, um, you know, they may have some really great insights into how to reach that population of female landowners but probably, you know, some women who are in similar positions or have had similar experiences are going to have some really great ideas, too, about how to reach those populations. I love how you're talking about the power of bringing new and diverse perspectives to 
leadership tables. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about other ways that you and your presence uh, serving in this position has given space to voices that might not have been there otherwise. Yeah, another area of diversity that's often difficult for boards is uh, sort of the age factor. There's often a lot of um, more mature adults involved in their soil and water conservation district. Um, and so getting some young voices on the board, I think, is is really energizing for them. I know that I'm probably uh, junior to many of my commissioners by 15, 20 years. Um, and I think that they find that, that it just brings a new energy uh, and sort of different perspective to, to the table um, and really kind of helps everybody keep their pep up a little bit. So I think that that's, you know, you shouldn't be discouraged from running for a position because of whatever, you know, identity you have, whether it's being young or being a woman. Um, you know, all of those perspectives are valuable because we all need to work on conservation together. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Women, Food, and Agriculture Network's Plate to Politics podcast. Our theme music is by Expendable Friend, and the song is Song for Remen. Thank you to our sponsor, Rachel's Network, for making this audio leadership training program available to the women in our network. We hope you'll tune in next time, and until then, please go to wfan.org slash plate2politics for more resources.